There is a sense in which I did not choose the topic today. It was given me, and to the entire city of Chicago and possibly the nation, by the late Cardinal Joseph Bernadine. He left us a heritage which speaks of justice in the city, concern for the underclass and the poor, a forgiving spirit when you are wrongfully accused in public, a quest for unity among those forces that divide us, even within the Christian church, a fearless apologetic for the ills in our society, morally and ethically, expressed in a firm stand against abortion, and euthanasia, and racism. And beyond that, he left us another legacy. It's the legacy of dying in a Christian way and doing so publicly for all of us to hear. And so in this, the week after his death, we think of that legacy. And we're called upon, I believe, to take this opportunity to speak to ourselves and to others about our own feelings of death. Not always a popular subject. I've tried to minister to many people, even in the hospital as they lay dying. They don't want to talk about death. It's something that is too disconcerting, too stressful. And so they politely ask that we do not probe the issue, or they ignore the comments or the questions. We Americans don't like to be uncomfortable. But here is a witness that says it isn't discomfort at all. It's something that reaches far beyond that. It's something that we should talk about and be certain about in our own hearts. And so he spoke often, and the day he passed away, his Christmas card came across my desk with this little handwritten note in it, which says, in part, this is a very special Christmas for me, because it is likely my last on this earth, which, of course, is not true now. There is, of course, a, a kind of sadness to this reality, but there is also joy and anticipation at the prospect of being more intimately united with the Lord in the world to come. His incarnation, which we celebrate during this season, 
is the basis for our present faith and our hope for the future. When I begin my final journey home, know that I will carry you in my heart. There's a joy and an anticipation, he states, very publicly and positively. He doesn't want us to be cheated by not preparing and pondering death. And he, he doesn't want us to miss the opportunity to witness a personal commitment. And I want to use this as an opportunity for the Christian community to rethink and evaluate our own position regarding death and personally to ponder how we hope to die, in what frame of mind. There are two things I want to say this morning. The first is that I believe anyone who dies with the assurance of joy and anticipation in a positive sense has perspective. Perspective. That framework in which we live that gives us some kind of relational understanding to the things we are doing now and are yet to do in the future and related to those things of the past. We love people with perspective. Leadership means perspective. And we honor and follow those who can draw for us a vision, a picture in our minds, whereby we see ourselves attached to some objective and goal. And so these visionaries are followed because they, they open the mind to new thoughts and new ideas. A vision, a perspective, means that we move without minding certain discomfort possibly even some suffering. Because we know the destination. We can see ourselves involved in a higher calling. Something that transcends the immediate problems and sacrifices. You've all done this. We were in Maui last summer. Everybody's talking about going to Hana have to go to see Hana, a little village on the north coast. But to get there, it's a very winding road up and around and over the mountains, and a couple of people in our automobile became sick who usually never become sick in a car. But it was worth it, you know, we were going to Hana. And if you have a destination in mind, if you have a purpose in mind, it's much easier to get up in the morning, early, and go off to school and jump in the pool or practice your tennis, whatever it might be. Put on that 
that whole football uniform in August because you're, you're thinking about the fall, the team winning, the goals. Musicians do this as they practice. Remember Jacob? He bargained for Rachel with Laban, her father, worked seven years for her, then got Leah. Worked another seven years, finally got Rachel, and we read that he thought it was like a day. Didn't bother him. It was worth it. And when we gain perspective, we find that death falls into its rightful place and is no longer defined and related to the whole in the way that it is generally presented. For death is something that never brings joy and positive anticipation. And yet it does. How can this be? What kind of perspective do we as Christians have regarding death? Well, in the first place, we think that death ushers us into a place. There is a, a destiny that can be located. It's the place from which Jesus came when he came to be incarnate. And it's the place to which he ascended when he left us. And it's the place where he sits at the right hand of God our Father. As he said to the disciples, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be. It's that place. And in John 17, there's recorded his his pastoral prayer for his disciples. And there he prays to the Father. And he says, Father, I will that those whom you have given me may be with me where I am. He waits for us. He prepares for us. It's the place from which he, he intercedes for us. And that's where we're going as Christians. He assures us that we will be there. We will be, be clothed with a righteousness that he has earned for us. And we will join him. And what's more, we not only envision this place where Christ is, but we envision it as a place where we will be alive. That is not a burial ground for those who die, it's the place where those who enter through this new entryway called death will be welcomed to a new kind of life. And it is connected to this life that we have here. For what we call death is not the destruction of us in our person but only of the body, as Christ said when he sent those disciples out. Matthew writes in his 10th chapter that Jesus told them that, 
that they might lose their bodies. They can destroy your body, but they'll never and cannot destroy the soul. What you really are within yourself is indestructible in that sense. You go on to read in Peter that Christ was put to death in his body, but made even more alive in his spirit. And that is the way we will be as we follow him through death and participate in his resurrected, resurrection experience. There will be a newness, a new quality of life, not a destruction. Paul writes to the Corinthians, we'll be absent from the body, but at home with Christ. Indeed, he said to the Philippian people, to live is great. It's a wonderful experience to be alive. But to die and be with the Lord is even better. And he too was seeing it in the context of that which is anticipated. The beauty of the presence of Christ. Where justice and gentleness prevails. Where love is the order of the day and not the exception. And where there's always an open spirit of trust and faith. And the very living presence of Jesus. In that way, we gain perspective. We will be there. We with our knowledge, our minds, not stripped of who we are today, but very much a part of what is happening there. With that whole great cloud of witnesses which surrounds us, those who have gone before, there with us, known to us. Our memories intact, for we shall know our Redeemer, and he will know us. And we will recall the things of this earth, the love we have for others, the relationships we've built in the community of faith, those who are most intimately related, they will be there. Remember when Jesus talked about this, he told that story of the rich man, Dives, who wouldn't care for the poor man at his gate. And when Abraham met the rich man, he said to him, you remember the things you did on earth. And Jesus said elsewhere, we will be accountable. The words we speak, the things we do or leave undone. There is a connectedness between this life and that life. And we are translated. The gates are open. We are ushered into that world the way we are and as cleansed, forgiven, redeemed people, we look forward to that time with great joy and anticipation. 
For we know that that connectedness also brings us into harmony with those who are in this life. As Jesus prays for us, so the saints in glory pray for us. The book of Revelation tells us in three different chapters that there are those who are in that world and they are pleading for those of us who are in this world. Many of you have loved ones that have gone before you. Know that they are remembering you, loving you, and praying for you. Just as you and I will leave someday and will not be forever someone else, which would mean the extinction of our identity. No, we will go on and we will pray for those of you who are not yet there. And the prayers of heaven will be so beautiful and will be heard. There may be suffering along the way. There may be inconvenience. There may be difficulties, disappointments, and failures. But in that perspective, you see, they aren't going to trouble us all that much because we have a larger framework. And we aren't questioning God and we aren't wondering why things are as they are, but we're anticipating something that eye hasn't seen and ear hasn't heard, nor has there entered into the mind of man the things the Lord has prepared for us, Paul writes. And that's the perspective that we have of death. I trust that is yours as well. There's another word, and it's almost a sub-thought to perspective, process. It's, it's a thing that God has in his own infinite wisdom, a plan, a line that runs through time and into our lives. There's a connectedness between what we are and what we will be, and the Sovereign Lord controls. And we need to know about that line. It gives us a sense of process. Amidst change, it gives us process. That's why at the beginning of this chapter, Paul talks about the resurrection of Jesus, and he says there's every proof for it, because he appeared to Peter. Then he appeared to the twelve, then to five hundred at one time, and then to James, and then to the apostles, and finally to Paul himself. Christ really rose. This is not a myth. This is not a theory. This is historic fact, and he anchors this message in fact, and says, if this cannot be believed, then your faith is futile and vain. Then 
You misrepresent God altogether. And we have no way of dealing with sin or guilt. And we have no hope because of all people we're to be pitied. We don't even eat, drink, and be merry. We're sacrificing for nothing. He said, I can't be. God lives beyond and above. Peter says, I was an eyewitness, and he died for it, as did most of the other apostles. You and I say, we're in the process. Life, the gateway of death to new life. That transition is no threat. It is an anticipation. It is a joy. Eternal life is the future that has already begun here in time. And the quality, the chief quality of that life is love. And that community of love that is redeemed by Jesus living in love relationships in the midst of a world that is torn by greed and divisiveness and self-interest, that community goes on to the next world through the gate that is called death. And the members in that community have a different perspective of the processes of God. So God's plan is to build upon that which has been achieved here. Friends, if you haven't always lived by faith, I assure you, you will die by faith. For you have no argument at that point and nothing to take with you. No way to buy yourself in or persuade And you will not be in the mood standing in the presence of Jesus. It is only grace sufficient for every need. Death will bring with it an eternal surprise which comes to us as a gift of our God. Paul closes this wonderful chapter. He says, Death is swallowed up in victory, has no power over us. Therefore, while you are in this world, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing, convinced of the fact that whatever you're doing, the name of the Lord is enduring and will last forever. I invite you to think about your death and how you hope to deal with it. 
and with that kind of perspective to see your life today is a kind of incubating period that will lead you to that marvelous experience. Yes, Jesus wept at the grave. He lost. And we will lose with death. No, he wasn't hopeless. But he looked forward to go where he had come from. And you and I can look forward to joining him there. Death swallowed up in victory. Let us pray. Lord God, it is a great gift you have given us. We would not be deprived of that gift this morning. A gift that will one day translate us into another world where there's joy and peace and love and your presence in new dimensions. Help us to be prepared and to live in this life with peace in our hearts and with the assurance that all is well with our souls. Hear us and minister to our community and our nation and may this be a significant time thought and prayer and preparation. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.